Hello everyone, this is Mrs. G's Storytime, and we are reading The Secret at Pheasant Cottage by Patricia Sanjan, with permission of Moody Publishing Company. And we are on Chapter 3, A Letter Arrives. Whitson Camp was over, and time sped on so fast that I seldom looked backwards or forward, but just enjoyed each new day. Once again, summer blazed into autumn, and each and this year I moved up into secondary school. Once again, the snow fell as a white blanket over the hills, and again I collected fur coins and roasted chestnuts and made secret Christmas presents. And again I heard the bleat of the first lamb at twilight and smelled the warm south wind stirring the buds and knew that spring was on its way. The countryside was a picture of green and gold, and blossom. And then it was the last day of the Easter term. Proper lessons were over and everyone was fidgety and longing for holidays. Miss Bird, our English teacher, was reading us a poem, but the window was wide open. We could hear the doves cooing and the sheep calling their lambs and no one was really paying any attention. Miss Bird closed the book, stepped to the blackboard and wrote, Summer Holiday in large letters. There was a stir of interest and a few heads looked up. You will be planning your summer holidays soon, she announced, so this is a competition for you to try during the holidays. Next term there will be a prize for the best entry. You can write a story or tell about what you did last year or what you plan to do this year. Anything you like, but try to get the feel of summer into it. She looked around at our blank faces. The feeling of summer seemed to be rather a sleepy one, she said with a smile. Let's collect some ideas and write them on the board. Mary, when I say summer holiday, what do you think of? Mary jerked her attention. Er, she began, hot and ice cream. Yes, all right. Somebody else, Jennifer? Swimming, the beach, donkeys, punch, Judy show, bingo, tennis, camping in our trailer, riding my pony. Miss Bird was riding rapidly. She turned and faced the thoroughly awakened class. Yes, that's right. But what about the places you go to? Anna, where did you go for your last summer holiday? We toured Scotland in our car. And what was Scotland like in the summer? Oh, mountains and lakes. It rained the car broke down. We saw some castles and battlefields and things, and we watched for the Loch Ness Monster all one day, but no luck. Miss Bird gave a small sigh and looked at me. Lucy, she asked. Somebody gave a little titter, and Mary sprang to my rescue. Lucy never goes away. She explained her grandparents can't take holidays because that will do, interrupted Miss Bird. Summer is here at home, too, not just in the holiday places. Besides, Lucy did go go on holiday. She went to the Whitson camp. Can you tell us about summer in the Cotswolds, Mary, Lucy? I closed my lips tightly and scrawled at my teacher. Why would she ask me? She knew I never went anywhere. And then I glanced at her face and realized she was not making fun of me at all. She really wanted my help. She and I felt the same about summer, and I stared out the window and tried to remember 
Summer in the Cotswolds. Hmm. The smell of honeysuckle and new mown grass. I began slowly. And that sort of shiny thing coming through the beach leaves at sunset so all the leaves look separate. Seeing stars through a hole in the tent. Dew on the flowers in the early morning all sprinkly. And some swimming in the river. King's fishers come out of a hole in the bank and we swung on the willow branches. Memories were flooding up and I could have gone on forever. Then I suddenly noticed the astonished faces of the other girls gaping at me. I went red and stopped. Miss Bird had her back to us and I had never seen her write so fast before. The silence was broken by the bell announcing it was time for break. You really did save the situation, said Mary admiringly as we drank our milk. I couldn't think of anything but ice cream. I can't think how you managed to be so poetic, Lucy. I should think you'd you'll, you'll get the prize easily. I doubted it, for how could, could my Cotswold experience compare with touring Scotland by car or even going to the sea? I felt rest, restless as I wandered home from the bus stop that afternoon. I had recently been reading a poem called Forsaken Mermaid, all about the sea. <laughs> I wished I could see the sea. What did the white, the wild white horses look like? And where did the great tides come from? I felt a strange stirring at the heart of me, a, a, a reaching out for change. I was thinking so hard as I walked up the path that I failed to call out my usual greetings. I stepped quietly into the passage and was about to go into the room where my grandparents were sitting with their backs to me. I could not help hearing what they said. And having heard, my heart seemed to miss a beat, and I stood as though turned to stone. But Elsie, said my grandmother gently, she'll have to know soon. She's 12 years old, and after all, he is her father. But not yet, not yet, cried my grandmother. There are still almost two years to go. Anything can happen in two years. I stepped back very softly and crept out through the front door. They must not know that I had heard. I wanted to run away and hide in the wood and think and think, but shadows saw me from the kitchen and came charging to meet me, slobbering on my feet, wagging his tail and jumping up to greet me. There was nothing to do but step back inside, just in time to see Gran fold a letter and slip it into the top drawer of her writing desk. But they greeted me as usual, and I helped to get tea ready. We sat down to my favorite meal of pork chops. The sun streamed in through the window, and it should have been a happy, chatty tea as we caught up on the news of the day. But somehow we were all strangely silent. It seemed as though some shadow had come between us, and I was almost glad when the meal was over. Any homework tonight? asked Gran. No, Gran, I answered. Tomorrow's the last day of term, so we don't do proper lessons. Can I go out for a bit when we're washed up? She looked at me with a strangely tender expression. Grandpa and I will see to the washing up tonight, love. She answered, you run along now with shadow. It's a beautiful evening but come back before sunset. Grandpa walked to the gate with me and asked where I was going, but I just pointed vaguely up the hill. 
I wanted to get away by myself, and I sped up the steep slope to the left of the house and flung myself into the old grassy trench where the ancient Britons were said to have said to have made a last stand against the Romans. Shadow came and rested his nose against my arm, and in front of me, over the rim of the trench, lay a great plain. Every road was lit up by the light of the sunset and seemed to run purposely to the horizon. Every river was a shining ribbon. It looked like a bright, clear map, and I suddenly realized what a vast place the world was. So many roads leading away from the safe shelter of my little home. Such far, far distances. But what was I to do? If I asked, they would probably not tell me, and anyhow, they didn't want me to ask. But I had to know, because he, he was my father, and I, I was his daughter. Besides, I was 12 years old, old enough to be trusted. Even Grandpa realized that. But Grant always had the last word, so that didn't help. Then as I lay there chewing a bracket shoot and watched the sunset towards the far Welch Mountains, an idea came to me, an idea so wicked that I gasped and felt my face flush crimson. I would stay awake until my grandparents were asleep, and then I would creep down and find the letter in the drawer and read it. I would see the address and find out where my father was and what it was all about. Of course, I knew perfectly well that Grand thought about people who eavesdropped and looked at the letters that didn't belong to them, but I decided it just couldn't be helped. After all, I argued with myself, This letter, in a sense, does belong to me because it's my father. And then I realized that the sun was setting below the rim of the world, and I jumped up and raced down across the slippery grass and scattering the sheep in all directions. Grandpa was at the gate peering short-sightedly down the road. Evenings at the cottage were cozy times. We sat around the fire in the winter, but on the warm spring evenings we sat by the open window. Gran read aloud, mostly from shabby old books that she had loved as a child, such as Heidi or or The Secret Garden. At this time, we were halfway through David Copperfield, and Dora and Steerforth and the Pagarty family had become part of my life. I could hardly wait for evening to evening to hear the next chapter. But tonight, I did not want to sit quietly with my grandparents in the soft circle of light as though there was nothing in the ma- nothing the matter. But even little Emily's trouble seemed small and unimportant in comparison with my own. I felt outside the circle, a deceiver, and the loneliness of it was almost more than I could bear. To their great surprise and disappointment, I pretended to be sleepy and crept miserably, miserably up to my bedroom. Tomorrow we'll read chapter four, A Shocking Discovery. I love you, and I'm praying for you, and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.